We're laughing already. Welcome back, viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining us, as always, on Everyday Humanity. We are in Season 3, Episode 6, and I am really excited, as I always say I'm excited, because I always mean it, uh, for our guest today. Um, we have a staff member with us today, and Dennis, I would love for you to introduce her. I would love to. Thanks, Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, we are laughing because offline we were listening to Beth's stories about Hall & Oates um, back from the 80s, so that was a wonderful way yes. to start this <laughs> podcast, but unfortunately we didn't record it. Well, actually, fortunately for the audience, yeah, right? True. Yeah, so um, anyway, our guest today <laughs> is um, someone that I consider uh, it a privilege to work with and to serve with. She's been with Mel Trotter for eight years, mm-hmm. um, but even more than that, I consider her a friend. Um, I have just the utmost respect for for Shelby and for uh, what she means to our organization. organization. Um, so Shelby Sikta is with us today, and I'm just really excited for everyone to hear um, what you do and why you do it. So welcome. Thank you. And um, maybe just start out like telling us a little bit about yourself and also how you ended up at Mel Trotter eight years ago. Yeah. Um, I was working as a server and my brother was working um, at Mel Trotter in the kitchen areas, in the culinary. And he was like, you know what? You love kiddos. There's an open position. And I um, applied and ended up working part-time with the kids and have just kind of transitioned through a bunch of different roles. Um, I worked with some of the single women, um, the moms and kids for a bit, and then I'm now part of the triage team. So I um, yeah, oversee a team of triage. We just really connect with all of the guests that come in for the first time and try and help direct them to their next steps. Mm-hmm. So your brother worked on staff. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, Stephen mm-hmm. McVitie was our food service director. Actually, originally he ran our brother? food pantry. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Nobody tells him anything around here. I did not know Stephen was your brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So Stephen, awesome. Stephen ran, I think his first job was running our food pantry, right? Yeah, and actually my uncle, uncle um, my Uncle Dennis, Dennis Wagner, worked at Maltrata. I didn't but, know that was your go. uncle. <laughs> Wow, you've got more history than I thought. Yeah, yeah. and then Stephen became our food service director, and yeah. that's, I think, when you came on site or right around there. Yeah. So I, I always forget that you started with the little kids. You and Barb uh, yeah. were up on the fourth yep. floor. <laughs> so what was it like for you to um, come in to work at a homeless shelter at a ministry, mm-hmm. and then especially to like experience these kids that are living in crisis? Yeah. So what was that like to, to engage with those families and those kids? Yeah, it was very eye-opening for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand some of like the behind-the-scenes issues of homelessness. I didn't really understand how it affected um, anybody, especially little kids. Um, and then getting into the city even was eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seeing those little kids just still have like so much joy, even um, in their crisis that they were living in with their families. Um, and it was just, it like just warmed my heart because they were so sweet and they were always like brought a smile to my face, even when it was a rough day for me. Um, and I learned a lot from them. I mean, they were just like, telling me stories all the time. (laughs) I I don't know. I just learned a lot from them. So that's um, one of the things that we talk a lot about on here is um, preconceived notions, mm -hmm, right? And presuppositions, mm -hmm. what people assume uh, the folks whom we serve must be like, right? If they haven't been um, proximate to somebody experiencing homelessness, they're not quite sure what to expect. So they form some sort of idea in their mind. And so I heard you say um, you learned so much behind the scenes and it just sort of educated you real world, real time. 
what had you thought, if you can remember, like what were you expecting it to be like before you came on staff? And then, of course, what you found was different. But what did you think it was? Yeah, um, I didn't really have a lot of expectations, honestly. I kind of just thought it would be like, you know, the typical soup kitchen type mm-hmm. thing, in and out. I didn't realize how big Mel Trotter was and the amount of people that they served. Um, and then I saw kind of even like the school aspect of ki- um, the kids, you know, like all of the in and outs of needing uniforms, needing backpacks, needing just all of those things that you kind of take for granted. Um so I realized like how quickly how much more Mel Trotter does than, you know, the you see in movies or you see on the shows, like here's your food, have a great day. Um, yeah. So I just like, I think that was my idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed very quickly. Honestly, even like as I walked through the door the first time, I'm like, oh, this is, this is not what I thought. It's so much bigger. So yeah. Yeah. That's helpful to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing, right? And I think I say that same thing. I'm like, I have learned more in the last 10 years. And and not only learning, but um, a part of that learning is challenging the assumptions, right? Challenging the things that I thought I knew growing up around poverty and homelessness and things like that. And even, to your point, the city, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so you mentioned a little bit uh, a little while ago about you know, you started out with kids and then you've, you've had a few different jobs at Mel Trotter, which um, is sort of kind of normal at our organization. (laughs) Um, How have, how have you grown and evolved with our organization? I've really been able to kind of like see the different, um, you know, like when I was working with the single women, there's just different struggles that every age group in experiencing homelessness faces. So I think I've just had to really like adjust my thinking of um, just that this is an easy fix, you know, just go here, just get this done. Um, But really not to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but having someone walk alongside those individuals, you know, like it's been, it's challenged me to get creative in my thinking of how to help whatever they're facing, you know, um, because it's, it's a lot more difficult than just go down to this organization and get this figured out. You know, there's a lot more to it than that. So Mm -hmm. do you have an example? Like, I I think for, I didn't understand any, like any of those things you said, like the things that are needed, what, if, what might somebody, um, want to hear about that may not know some of those things that are needed? You know, what, what's a tip and typical is the wrong word because there is no, right, no, (laughs) no typical to this, but do you have um, a memory or a story of a particular guest that you helped? And you said this, this is the fix. These are the, these are the things that I was able to help this person walk out of homelessness with. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's many stories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cause they're all unique. Yeah. 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 Um, I think one specific, she was, um, a single individual in our shelter, she ended up coming into um, our program for a bit, really wanted to help volunteer um, with kind of like the organizational things and, um, you know, just like setting up classes. She really was hands-on. Um, but she, in her mind, was like, I want to just work at McDonald's and that's like, that's all I want to do. So we really challenged her to get creative in what, what's the, if you could do anything in your future, Mm -hmm. what would it be? And she really wanted to be like a teacher aide. She wanted to work in a school, um, didn't have a license though. So we had to work through like all of that to get her ID, get her signed up to volunteer in schools. Um, 
And then she kind of saw, you know, that I can do this. I don't have to work at McDonald's. I can if I want to, but I can also dream big. And um, so she she was with us for a bit and she just was so helpful to us, but also helpful in seeing like you can move forward. And she was so happy. She got into the school, um, JRPS, and she was helping, volunteering. Um, and then she was able to kind of move on from El Trotter, but just watching her grow and watching her get excited, um, just like sparked, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was really cool to see, but yeah. yeah. That, that's really cool because that, that's just so profound, right? Is for many of the people that we work with, it seems like they are living in the space of can't mm-hmm. or only, right? And and whether they've received those messages or that's been their experience, it's, well, I really would like to do this, but I can't. Mm-hmm. I can only work at McDonald's. Not that there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with that, to your yeah. point, right? But that's all I can do. I can't chase my dream. Dreams are for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you do and, and the staff at Mel Trotter is we help create an environment where people can dream yeah. and then we help walk with them to make those dreams reality. Yeah. So that's really cool. And that's, that's changing the world one life at a time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's not just about getting her home, getting our, her out of homelessness. It's about who are, who did God create you to be? Yeah, let's absolutely. find that and let's move toward that. So yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And now currently you're working in triage. Okay. So triage means a lot of things to a lot of people, yeah. right? Most people, the triage, they think of a hospital, yeah. Right. So what does triage mean at Mel Trotter? Yeah. So we are the team after our, um, you know, intake process, they come, any new guest comes to us and we kind of help similar to a hospital, like what direction do you need to go? Um, so we, you know, we have our tracks available, um, for individuals, or maybe they just need help getting, back to home, like whether it's out of state or a different city. Um, so we want to help move an individual along as quickly as possible. Um, we love them, but we also love to see them move on <laughs> from El Trotters. Well so, said. Yeah. Um, so we want to help do that as quickly as possible in the best fit. Um, we want to see them leave successfully. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, we direct them mm-hmm. to where they need to go. Yeah. Or do our best. Yeah, I want to expound on that just for a quick second. And when you said we love them, but we want to see them move out as quickly as possible because we love individuals, because mm-hmm. we know that God made them with a purpose and plans for their life, which do not does not include homelessness, right? So this is exactly what we're doing every day. And I hear you say instilling hope mm-hmm. and, a, and a path out of this yeah. because we love everybody and see value as everybody made in the image of God. Um, can you unpack what our tracks are? Yeah. Um, for folks who may not know. It's really individualized for each person. You know, we're not all the same. We're not all facing the same struggles. We don't all move as quickly as each other. So um, it's really individualized to um, look into employment or if there's an income to find housing. Um, But yeah, just focused on each person rather than having this general idea of this is how we need to move you forward. Mm -hmm. So. So people come into Mel Trotter, they meet with you and your team, and you say, based on the information that you provided, based on your hopes and dreams, this is what we suggest for you. Because what what we don't want to have happen, right, is for people to come in and not have a plan. This is like us coming to work every day and not knowing what our workload is and not knowing what we are um, what we are endeavoring to do, right? So this yeah. is what you're doing is saying, great, this sounds like 
this path makes the most sense for you, this track. So let's help get us, get you on this schedule, this track. And people say, yes, this makes sense for me. And then on average, I know it depends on the track, Mm -hmm. but can you talk to us a little bit about one of the questions we always get, how long do people stay with you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What does that look like? Definitely depends on each individual. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I would say on average, probably about three months. Mm -hmm. Um, there are definitely, like I mentioned, those individuals that come in and, you know, I want to go back home. I can get there tomorrow. There's a bus. Like, then we're sure. Let's send you on your way. Let's get you back right. to what you call home. Um, but yeah, then once individuals are in track, it can take a couple months mm-hmm. um, just depending on their situation. You know, if there's already an income, um, yeah, what they're what they have the cards that they have uh, that they're dealt with. Mm-hmm. So we really found, you mentioned like coming in and just kind of being no direction. Um, we found that individuals that come in and just kind of like fly under the radar seem to almost get stuck and they get yeah. um, stuck in their homelessness and mm-hmm. we're unable to, it's harder to get people moved on. Um, so that's why we really want to, within like the first 48 hours, connect with those people so that we can get get them before they're just mm-hmm. you know content in their what they're struggling with right now so. yeah because you can adapt to the reality right yeah. if i mean if you stay in a reality for a, a long enough time you adapt to it and it becomes normal yeah. may not look normal to, to normal to any of us but to the person in it it looks normal and and one of the things i like about or i love about um, what you guys have developed with the tracks is that we really are taking into account like shelby you've mentioned several times um People are different, right? So if somebody has mental illness, that track is going to look different, right? That's about yeah. connecting with uh, the mental health resources that are there for housing. That's going to need to be a permanent supportive environment, yeah. whether it's back home with with caregivers or whether it's in a, a permanent supportive environment with case management. Somebody has addiction, well, that's a track for recovery. Uh, if somebody is working really hard, um, but they're not making enough money to be able to afford an apartment, then it's how do we get to the point where you can save money and earn more money, right? So yeah. I really love what you guys have done with that. Um, what do you think about um, the increase in homelessness? Like we've had, it seems like homelessness has increased so much. Um, and and I know in our community, so many people are talking about that, right? It seems like everybody has an opinion why homelessness is increasing. Um, from your seat, what do you see? Like, is it increasing and why do you think it is? Um, yeah. Well, so I also have been um, on the answering the phone call side mm-hmm. of things right. lately. Um, and I have also, I've seen a lot of families mm-hmm. calling in um, that are just in immediate need of help. Um, so I think that the fam- families experiencing homelessness has increased most yeah. definitely. I mean, I see that every day through phone calls. Um, but we also see the single individuals coming in, um, and, you know, for the first time. And we get that every single day, um, new guests coming in. And I think I know that housing is always mm-hmm. kind of an issue, but um, the the rate of rent is so high. Um and there's a very fine line of getting the assistance that you need um, or making too much money to get any assistance, yeah. but then not being able to afford rent, groceries, child care, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think housing does not help the homelessness yeah. population. 
and, and you just hit on something, sorry, but you hit on something really, really important. And it reminded me of, um, there's a Netflix series out called The Maid. And it's a story, I think it's based on a true story, or we know it is from our experience, about this single mom that ends up homeless because of a domestic violence issue and things like that. And she is working full time. And the thing is, she's working full time, but not making enough money to get her housing, but making too much money to get the assistance to get housing. So it, it forces her to make a choice. Do I stop working so that I can get government assistance and get housing? Really, it's either that or keep doing what I'm doing and keep working really hard, but not making enough money for housing, right? And that's, yeah. I think that's the kind of things that uh, we didn't know before we started working at Mel Trotter. And I think the general public doesn't know that it's not people choosing this. It actually is, in some ways, systems, when people are trying to do all the right things, yeah. systems are still stacked against them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for bringing light to that because I think you do. You live that every day. You see it every day in triage and in the phone calls. So. Yeah, we have, like, a very similar story to that exact plot line, you know? Um, yeah. We were working with a woman who had been working at her job for five years, had great benefits, you know, loved her job. Um, But she made like $50 over the limit of getting housing assistance. And so she was kind of stuck. She didn't know, you know, do I leave this job that I've been working at for five years and that I love, or do I not be able to afford home housing? So it was like a very real life yeah. You know. Yeah, and this is the part this exact conversation is I think the direction and the education that is um, continuing to be needed among mindsets that often just go to we'll just get a job. Mm-hmm. Like right, get a job and you won't be homeless. Yeah. Um which you can understand why people would try and connect those dots and say this will solve the problem because they haven't been proximate to it. And that's mm-hmm. when we became proximate to it and we're in it every day and like hearing you say this, like, I knew this cognitively, but even hearing your stories about it, when you're that close to it, $50, yeah. right? And you're like, how do you mentor somebody? How do you minister to somebody? How do you um, provide an answer to somebody when it's a $50 differential, right? Because you see somebody who lights up over getting up every day, out of bed, working full-time, loving their job, having some tenure at a job yeah. and saying, well, if you want to afford a house, you're going to have to leave what you love. That doesn't, it just doesn't seem fair to me. This is my Enneagram 8, my uh, justice hat coming out. I get a right. little bit riled up about yeah. this because I do find it incredibly unfair. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Do we need to play some hollow notes to calm me down? Or? Um, sometimes that calms me down. Other times okay. just, that also riles me up. It depends on, <laughs> it depends on the player of the music, I would say. So speaking of calming. Yes. Um, so eight years at yeah. Mount Trotter and eight years hearing a lot of stories yeah. and Seeing some, as you were talking about a minute ago, seeing some real triumphs, but also being proximate to a lot of tragedy. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to keep Shelby healthy? Because, you know, we can't give something we don't have. Um, And working in this kind of an environment with with some of these tragic stories can really weigh on it. So to be here for eight years is no small thing. What do you do? to keep yourself healthy and able to keep coming in and serving people? It's still a work in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Fair point, Uh, yeah. No, honestly, I am all about therapy, and I appreciate, like, Mel Trotter's um, benefits of the therapy. I use all of my EAP, (laughs) (laughs) and I've seen a therapist for quite a while, so that's definitely helpful. Um, I love to run, and I like to clean. Which, really? Yeah. So that's therapeutic. Of, yeah. Yes. <laughs> if things aren't clean and organized, 
my stress level goes way up. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. She's not going to I was going to say, you guys love to <laughs> Don't clean. Don't look at no. my office Please. right now. <laughs> we're, 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 yeah, I feel right. like we're throwing a softball right here, Shelby. I don't, I don't really want anybody to hit this out of here. <laughs> you know, but one of the things, I love that transition because it reminds me, you've been here eight years, but yeah. you have a daughter who's four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before um, you became a mom yourself, did you... Did your work inform, you know, your mothering? I guess what I'm trying to say is, did you take any experiences that you had accumulated in four years and think to my yourself, wow, what what if my daughter, right, became homeless? I mean, do you ever sometimes equate that? I, I have done that in the past too when I was a single mom and I thought, what if I can't do this on my own? Yeah. What, what does that mean for Olivia? Did you think that way before she was born? Yeah, I did. And yeah. I think... You know, those first four years of working at Mel Trotter were mainly with the kiddos. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. I was really able to just kind of, I think, like, it expanded my ability to love, you know, on yeah. those little ones. And um, I really, once I found out that I was having Marielle, I just kind of put her in that situation mm-hmm. and how would I love her even when my stress is high, you know, because I saw so many of those parents just trying to love on their babies, but also trying to figure out their next steps or where they're going to live. Um, I think like my compassion just grew and my patience, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that it just really helped in my stressful situations, when I have a four-year-old who's acting like a 17-year-old, <laughs> I can, you know, like it's going to be stressful anyway. And just perspective. Kind of, yeah. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I remember um, a, a staff picnic we had for Mel Trotter. And I remember there was some music playing and I looked over and there was your daughter dancing yeah. and she was dancing like a 17 year old. I mean, I don't know how, like, that's just got to be in her. Yeah. Right. So, um, you guys do a lot of dancing at your house? We love to dance. <laughs> dancing and singing all the time. Aww. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any sort of takeaways that you would want our viewers and listeners to know? Um, just something you would like to share and say, you know, if you hadn't thought about this or something maybe that you've learned and you haven't yet shared with us, just something for them to to hear you share. I'd love to, to know what that is. Yeah, I think um, really just kind of like you mentioned, so many people think just get a job or just do this. Um, but it's so much more complex than that. Um, and just understanding that and showing grace and compassion Mm -hmm. to anybody, because it really could be anybody, um, that walks through those mission doors needing help. So, um, just kind of keeping that in the forefront of your mind that it's not just, um, just do this and you'll be out of homelessness. Um, and then, yeah, showing everybody the grace, the patience (laughs) and the Mm -hmm. compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. I don't have anything else to add to that. Any, any last parting thoughts, anybody? You know, I, I, yeah, my parting thought is just um, just a thank you because yeah. I've seen you do your job for eight years uh, with the kiddos, with the single moms, with the families, and um, you come to work every day with a smile on your face. Um, doesn't mean we always feel like <laughs> smiling, but yet you, when you come to work, you come with a smile on your face and you give your all to the people that we're serving and um, just a huge thank you to you for showing up and for doing it well and for living what it means to demonstrate the compassion of Christ uh, toward everyone that we serve. So uh, just really, I think I 
speak for Beth and Matthew too. It's just an honor really to serve alongside you. So thank, thank you. you for everything that you do. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Shelby. Thanks for your inspiration yeah. and for everything you shared and for being here with us. Thank you. And thanks to Matthew, and our thanks producer. To Matthew, our I producer did not forget. Production. <laughs> Woo-hoo. And thank you, viewers and listeners, for being with us here on another episode of Everyday Humanity. And we will see you back here next week. Yeah.